And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. How are you this Wednesday? Hope you're doing well. Uh, we're doing okay here. We're getting by. Sitting here with Johnny Lieberman. We're going to chat for a while. We're going to talk about cars. Then a little later. Hello. Sonari Glinton is coming on. Who? Sonari Glinton, you say? Uh, he is the host of a really cool new podcast called Bring Back the Bronco, the Untold Story. It's an eight-part podcast series debuting Monday. Um, and what's notable about it, nothing was off limits about the Bronco. You know what that means. That means Ford has nothing to do with it. No, they have everything to do with it. That oh, means okay. O.J. Simpson. Oh, really? <laughs> that means that moment, I mm. think, is part of it. How are you, yeah. Johnny Lieberman? I'm now, all right. You know, getting through uh, this crazy time we're living through. You reached out to me and said I was coming by Zuckerman's Hangar, should we podcast? I said, absolutely. I needed a break in my day. Why are you here in Zuckerman's Hangar? What's going on? So, you know that ridiculously cool Audi he bought? Yes. The uh, Sport Quattro, one of yes. 10 ever sold in the U.S. Yes. One of 166 ever made. Yes. So I, uh, I'm i going to write a story about it for Motor Trend. And I borrowed it a few weeks ago. And it was awesome. And Jethro Bovingdon uh, was following me down Angeles Crest. And the bolt that holds the shifter into the transmission came out <laughs> <laughs> at 50 miles an hour on Angeles Crest. <laughs> and... Uh, I've I like, there's nothing worse than borrowing a ridiculously expensive car from your friend that yes I really like Paul I don't know him that well he doesn't know me that well right and I'm like I gotta make that call I, that now, won't stop him from suing you by the way I'm closing oh, the gate yeah. so it's a little less noisy Let's, yeah this is good radio um so there we go so I was I was uh, shooting a brick to to use the the parlance <laughs> of our times and uh, I get down there and I call him and he's like oh. Oh, I thought they fixed that. So, like, thank God it was a pre-existing condition. Ah. Uh, so, anyways, we, we didn't get to do the photo shoot. I got to drive the thing. I know what I'm going to write. I've actually written most of it. But we're doing the photo shoot today. Um, and Audi happened to have a TTRS, which is a five-cylinder two-door, um, in mothballs. So, they pulled it out of storage for us. So, we're going to have that and Zuckerman's car and do a photo shoot. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so, we, you know, you did a photo shoot with me in Speedsters recently. Where yes. Jack and I were wondering where that's going to show up. It's going to show up on Motor Trend. I was wondering that on today, Motor too. On Motor Trend or Motor in the magazine? MotorTrend.com. I, you know what? I don't, I don't really have any say over what goes into the magazine. Um, Is the magazine going to stay around? I think so. Yeah. yeah. They, they got rid of, like, all the stuff they want to get rid of. But turns out, like, a lot of doctors subscribe to Motor Trend and Hot Rod. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> we still that's have a cool. business model. Because... Newsstand sales were terrible pre-COVID, right? And you can imagine with COVID, like just forget about it's it. It's just over. It's just done. No really? one's no one goes out to buy a magazine, right? Everyone's right. online. The, so that said, though, Porsches we like putting Porsches in magazines. Um, we, we had two nine eleven stories in the current issue, which has a Bronco on the cover, um, and then um, uh, what was it? December? We did like a nine five nine. Uh, versus like a 901 we did like a 917 versus a 918 and we were told like you can do these stories but no one you know that's that's not you know, people want to read about RAV4s nobody nobody cares about a Porsche like a you know a GT3 you know 996.1 no that, that's not gonna 
That doesn't go. That doesn't go. <laughs> Nobody in the book. cares about that. Well, you know, I mean, nobody. You scale it, right? Right. More, right. More, many more people search for I need a Rav Four than right. Yeah. Right. Anyways, <clears throat> there turned out to be what we call a hole in the book. Uh, some article didn't happen. Boom! They plug that in. So it'll be on dot com for sure. We just had a Gunther work story go up today uh, or yesterday, and so they like to space out Porsche stuff. Um, is that what you've been driving, the Gunther work? I drove it like a month ago. So what's whatever. the spec on that car? That's the greeny one that I keep I drove seeing the on the internet. One. The story's about a yellow one that we set a lap time with. Yeah. And that was like a, a big wing car with different transmission. But but explain to the audience yeah. what the Gunther Works okay, 911 Gunther is. Gunther Works, they hot rod or remaster, as Porsche's lawyers make them say. Right. They, they reimagine or remaster. Remaster. Reimagine is owned by that other company. Singer. Yeah. So uh, the, the car is called the Porsche 993 Remastered by Gunther Works. Yes. It used to be called the Gunther Works 400R, but then lawyers. Uh, so it is a 993, and uh, I don't know, even know what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. If you look at a steering rack of a 964 and a 993, there's three suspension pickup points. There's one that's really wide, and the RSR race cars... They used the really wide one. There was never a customer car that used the really wide thing. So they had this idea. Porsche never did it. What if we made a GT2 RS? They did make a GT2 993. What if they made the RS? So the front track is as wide as the rear track. The body panels are all carbon fiber. The thing is lightened. They're saying it's under 2,600 pounds. All car makers lie about this. So it's 2,700 pounds. Um, it's got uh, the guy in Oregon, Rothschild Racing. Uh, so 431 horsepower air-cooled engine, which is about as much as you can get out of an air-cooled power plant uh, for, like, less than a million bucks. You could, you could spend more than a million. And what would you compare it to drive-wise? That's a production car nah, or a GT car. That's tough. Nothing. It's, it's super raw. Well, paint a picture for us. Yeah. I, like, we, is it a, okay. tu- you know, a 993 it, Turbo S meets a... a 911 R taking to a masochistic extreme. <laughs> so you know how there's like no sound deadening? Yes. There's, there's even less. And you know how like like it's uh, after after like an hour you're like it's kind of a loud car. <laughs> this is killing you. There's a sport exhaust thing in the Gunther Works and like you you can't have it on for more than 10 minutes. It's, you're really? Just, you're just deaf. Yeah, it's just deafening. <laughs> Well, I like that. That sounds nice. It, it's it's super cool. The and when pro- you turn it off, is it quiet enough to not upset your neighbors? No, it's always going to upset it your neighbors. No, yeah. it's, it, it, I mean, it's not. I, I haven't heard your Zagato thing cold start, but it's or like, this car that I drove today. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Shelby the GT500, which we will discuss soon. Yeah. Um. I. It'll. I don't know your neighbors, so probably. But it's not about my neighbors. It's just about the driver. When you have a car yeah. like this, there's a, a high percentage of people who own the car who get a little self-conscious yes. when they get up at 6.30 in the morning and, yeah. and press that start button. You feel bad. You might be waking up your neighbors. I happen to be that type of person. You're going to... I, I don't know. I, I think you're going to wake your neighbors. But <laughs> the other issue is... Uh, you know, they're making 25 of them and they're $585,000 to start. And most of them are sold. I think there's like two or three slots left. So odds are your neighbors are fine because you, right, you can't get right. one. Yes. So Well, it's still loud. Are, is yeah. this car on your Instagram feed? It is. It's all yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And where do they make the cars? Uh, like in Carson? Here so in LA. Here, yeah. here, so right yeah. where the Porsche Experience Center is. I think I, think I want to... 
I've been invited they, to go out so many times and I've flaked. So. Do they need Porsche's permission in any way, or is it just that they're having to skirt the 911 copyright when a you know I, an operation like Singer or any of these guys? I don't know exactly. I didn't get into it. I just remember I was like, oh, so this is the the production 400R, and very quickly they were like, no, this is the Porsche 993 remastered by Gunther Works. <laughs> And I was like, oh, you've been talking to lawyers. And they're like, no comment. So. What's left? So well, yeah. they, they own the word remastered? I guess so. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Reimagined yeah. is singer. Yeah. If I want to start my company there, I've got to come up with another one. Remixed by Spike. <laughs> a remix. <laughs> Remixed by Spike. Yeah, I don't um, know. Yeah. But it's a, it's a cool car. It's, it's extreme. Because, you know, look, you talk to the marketing people and they're like, oh, look at our nice interior. You could, you could whip it around the track all day and then take your wife out to the opera. And it's like, no, you can't. Unless your wife is deaf and, like, has no nerve endings. Like, she ain't going to the opera. She isn't going to like that. I'll tell you something yeah. your wife would like. Yes, it's time to do an ad. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Look at Johnny Lieberman over there with that big beard. He needs to get Manscaped. I'm sure there's something else happening down there below his belt. Uh, Manscaped, uh, do you have any funny grooming stories? Aside from, like, cutting your scrotum with a trimmer on accident? <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> we'll Done see, that many times, yes. <laughs> well, see, that's why I brought it up, because Manscaped has the Lawnmower 3.0, a premium electric trimmer designed to give you confidence. And I'll tell you why, Johnny. It uses a little plastic uh, blade that doesn't cut you. No nicks, no cuts. This thing is exceptional. What if I like the cuts? Anyhow, well, if you like it, you're not going to like the lawnmower 3.0. It also is waterproof, has a little LED light. No lie, Spike first and uses this thing. Wow. And I absolutely love it because of the lack of cutting. You know, and, and Manscaped may not like this, but it's kind of a dogscaper. I had to trim the long hairs on my dog's penis the other day because after he urinates... What a lucky dog. It gets really spongy yeah. and then he drags it across my couch. Well... I took my Dogscaper Manscaper 3.0. Perfect. No fear of hurting my little friend Gopher. We, we, we and got it, a we got a long-haired dog, a girl, but she has little pea hairs. <laughs> yes. And we have to trim You're them. The, right. Yeah, so this so is C-relatable, right? There you go. The Manscaper <laughs> 3.0. Uh, they also have a bunch of great stuff, a nail kit, a uh, luxury four-piece nail kit. I've got all their stuff. They sent me a lot of uh, a lot of it. They sent me underwear. I'm wearing it right now. It's all fantastic. Uh, my entry point, again, is that trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0. That's the one you need. Here's your call to action. You can get 20% off and free shipping with code SPIKE911. You know why it's SPIKE911? Uh, you're a big fan of the police. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all you have to do is go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code SPIKE911. It's my name and my favorite car. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk, which would be your front, your right? Your front, technically. And the yeah. music there, Will. Um, <laughs> I am not kidding, though. You need that razor. It's one of my favorite. It's I my mean, favorite product of 2020 in a I miserable just, year. It works great. All right. Hook me up. Hook me up. You know, <clears throat> uh, you did. We'll you, get you, you one. You and uh, Matt uh, successfully hooked me up with our... Oh, Crown Caliber. Caliber. Yeah. Are you, I noticed that. Yeah, Are we're, you wearing, we're wearing a the little Tudor Submariner Snowflake. And I like that. I almost took that watch out. I have not. Uh, I turned my last watch in, and I've been a little, imagine, lazy about picking a second. <laughs> I've just been doing it for so long. I kind of wanted a break to wear my watches, but I saw that, and uh, that's a great. That's yeah. I mean, now you can wear whatever you want from yeah, those it's guys, right? It's fun. It's just, you know, I've never, I'm finally at a, a position in my life where I can kind of afford a nice watch. Right. So I bought one, but, or my wife bought it for me, I should say. But 
Um, it's like, well, what do I actually want? Like, I, you know, if you, 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 as you know, there's a difference between looking at stuff and actually buying it, right? Yes. So it's f- super fun just to like get a watch for a month, and then what's I, you wouldn't think is your your this is only my second one, but your opinion changes. Your conception is one thing, reality is another one. Yes. You know what I mean? So, because I was always like, oh, you know, I, 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 my first one I got from them was this Milgau, this Ro- Rolex. And I was like, that's the Rolex for me. I, that's the coolest one. And like, didn't like it. You know, just, so that was a loner. That was a loner, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's how I use them. I, I buy watches out of my comfort zone to see if I can find new little areas for me to get excited about and watches. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it happens all the time. And then every once in a while, I'll get lazy and do a comfort food choice. Like, the watch you're wearing right now, I absolutely love. But that's yeah. a watch I already have and I would buy, right? It's I dig it. For me, I have big wrists. I'm like Farrah. You know, I think we actually have the same size wrist. But for me, it's just like, it's like just too small to it's, 40. No. Yeah, that's forty millimeters. And I would right? like a, like a forty-two, you know. Um, I don't know, but smaller smaller watches are kind of in right now. I'm tired. Yeah, of the I know. Big ones. I know. That's a great looking watch. Yeah, I, I put I put my own strap on it just because uh, it's a hundred degrees out, and yeah, I don't like metal. You know, well, in a hundred degree heat, right? But yeah. that's it's better than you don't get watch band stink. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're trying to avoid. It's, it's nylon. I cut. You know, I shower with it. It's fine. I. Uh, Either the one watch I really desire right now, aside from a Yima, I just changed my mind constantly, though, is the Tudor, uh, the new Tudor Blue. They oh, have. yeah. The that's black like super blue hot. with the blue dial. Yeah, the 58 is, or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's a 58. And I have a, a, a vintage Tudor a Marine National, a rare kind of uh, French Navy watch from the 70s. And it's the same thing. Blue bezel, blue yeah. dial and yeah, silver yeah, yeah. everywhere. And I'd kind of like to get the new one side by side. But I can wait. You know what I... You'll be on Crown and Caliber. They sell only the best pre-owned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> All yeah. I have to do right. is wait a few months, and right. there's going to be one There'll there. Be one. And then I'm going to demo it, and then I'll probably keep it. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I love my, those my next thing, I'm just hooked on that brand Sin. I just, I love those things. So there's this. Yeah, I've th- never worn one of those. Oh, uh, they're just rule. They're not, they don't have any on Crown and Caliber, but there's this one I've been staring at, uh, a 103 Titanium, and uh, I think I got to pull the trigger because I heard they're raising prices. Um and I, I made a, a tontine, I think is the right word, with a friend of mine. And basically, like, whoever buys it first, the other one has to. And, like, he's like, prices are going up August 24th. <clears throat> Get ready. <laughs> so we'll see. It's but. hard to see where all these prices are heading now that we're in the middle phase of our pandemic crisis. That's what everyone's but. saying. Like, how can they raise prices? But apparently, in Germany, things are better. I don't know. They're raising prices. I, I well, I sense like with cars, everybody, you know, the Gooding auction just went off the other day, and they did really well. Cars weren't overheated, but they sold at high numbers, and there was a good sell-through rate. You know, I think people with money are sitting at home with nothing to do, and yeah, you know, cars more than watches you can really enjoy right now, no matter what, right? A watch you can wear if you're if you. I'm sure like you, your watch isn't about impressing other people. It's about you looking down and enjoying something yourself. It's the way I am. Then then I think you're, you know, you're buying watches and enjoying it. If you're a guy who likes to wear a watch to a party to show off, then you're not really buying anything right now, I guess. That, yeah, that's not me. I, I, I just, I love like, I guess I love diving watches. Go figure. Me too. Um, yeah. Well, that's, I think, where you start. Yeah. Now, when I first got into this, it was about, it's, it's the Corvette and the Jaguar is the car analogy, right? Right, I'm right. I'm going to collect cars. I think I'll start with a Corvette and an old Jaguar E-Type, right? Right. For watches, it's dive watches, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a dive watch because I like to go diving. Now, we don't really dive. Well, I've and never we're even really thought about diving beach. in my life. I just right. like, I just like the idea 
idea that I can, I can wash dishes and not have to yes. worry about it. And they just well, look cool, you know. And soap. Yeah. You do kind of, but I hear what you're saying. Well, that's why I, I, that's why I, I like this company, Sin, because right. these things are like G-Shocks. Like, the one I have, I think it can go down to 3,000 feet underwater. It's yeah. like good to, you know, 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, it's just, you can't break it. And the whole thing is made of this crazy steel, so... Let's it's, talk about yeah. the 2020 Shelby GT500. All right. I love having someone like you here because you can just answer all of my questions. I haven't driven it. I, th- you you got, don't you, have to. You pick the one car. I'm just going to ask you basic questions <laughs> okay. about okay, okay. these cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can give me answers because, as sure. you know, I'm an enthusiast. I'm not a journalist. Go ahead. Um, 5.2 liter V8 making 760 horsepower, 625 foot-pounds of torque. Sounds right. All channeled through a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. True. Um, all to the rear wheels. Yes. Top speed, 180 miles an hour, 0 to 60, 3.3 seconds. Okay. This one Sounds uh, good. stickers at 81,000. Not it's bad for the, 760 horsepower. The Matt Farah stink color of Grabber <laughs> Lime. He had the car before me. I can still smell him in it. Um and I've been in it for the last week. And? And I have to say, well, a couple things you need to know about me. I'm a longtime Mustang fan from Massachusetts. Like, to me, the old Mustangs, even the grandma Mustang from the six, mid-60s, the 64, that's yeah. me. I like those cars. Sure. It's what I grew up with. And, it's, and every time I get into a modern Mustang lately, like in the last 10 years, I see a lot of value and I enjoy the sound and the experience of the cars a lot. So if there were any car other than the um, imported exotics, you said, what would you get? I would first always go to the Mustang line. Okay. I really like them. Okay. This GT500, uh, the Shelby, the first thing that occurred to me was I'm going to crash leaving cars and coffee, which I did not. <laughs> and I've had none of those moments. Oh, I yeah, find yeah, the yeah. way this thing. Well, the, the tires that thing's on, you're not going to have any of those moments. That's on I find this car real to be tires. A, yeah. yeah, a leap forward in uh, Mustang technology in just its ability to thrill but not break loose. I, mean, I think the last time I drove something like this was a first generation Hellcat, which was a little uncontrollable. The back end would get out, but you could control how yeah, far that, you went. That with thing's it. a pussycat. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. This thing, 760 horsepower. You know, it has not scared me yet, and it's delivered power wonderfully, and 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 been great. I'm I'm dying to drive it. So I had it booked. And then just before lockdown, yes. it rained. Uh-huh. And it was like the week. Remember, we had like two weeks of rain. So the car was coming. I'm like, it's 760 horsepower rear driver on our compound tires. Right. Hey, Ford, I'll get it from you. And then I just never rescheduled it. And then I've just been like booking everything else. So I got to get in it. But you, your experience gels with everything my colleagues have said. So like, it's it's like what? Surpri- surprisingly uh, 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 competent. Uh, great. Grip the, the grip is surprising because they thought it would be like a Hellcat, right? Uh, and and just like 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 a supercar that's a hundred thousand dollars off, right? Yeah, it's a discount, yeah. which it always is. How does here's some of my more technical questions that may you may not know the answer to, or maybe I'm not asking the right question. So the 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 sound I remember getting into a Mustang GT back in the day was the flat plank eight sound. I did it sounded different. Cro- cross plane. That was a cross plane. It will. I thought this is a cross plank, and that was a flat plank. So the only flat plane Mustang ever uh, has been the Shelby GT350 and the GT350. Yes, that was yeah. the car. That's the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's 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 flat. So okay, yeah. In other words, that's uh, like two four cylinders. Right. And then the cross plane is that is that 
rumbly fourth order uh, V8. Is it plank or plane? Plane. Plane. Yeah. It's not plank. No. So like a flat plane. Plane, right. Or a okay. cross plane. So and how words, does that, and how is it more efficient in that? Why did they make that switch? So basically the difference is you get less torque with a flat plane, but you, it revs quicker. Uh, it, it's a totally different, and this gets really nerdy and technical, but the, the harmonics you get are way different. Yeah. They're much more violent with a, with a flat plane. And so usually... So this car gets violent when you get on it. When you have it in track mode and the exhaust in track mode and you jump, you hit the floor with it, it makes the sound of violent electronic yes. trombones louder than anything I've ever heard that sent a shockwave. Yes. Basically... Uh, the biggest production uh, flat plane before the Shelby's came out was uh, actually that's that's a cross plane. That's just a supercharger making noise. Anyways, the 918 Spider. Yes. Flat plane V8, 4.6 liters, and I believe the thinking was if you go any bigger than that, this right? Is why, this is why they're just like racing engines. Uh, if you go any bigger than that, they'll just shake themselves apart. So what Ford <laughs> did, what Ford did to make it 5.2 liters is. If you take that engine apart on the other end of the crankshaft, so not the end that connects to the transmission, there's a giant rubber donut. It's called a dampener. And this thing just eats vibrations. And Got it's it. just hanging off the front of the engine. And if that goes away, then the engine falls apart on the, on the 350s. Cross plane, though, it's going to be, you get way more torque and it's going to have that V8 rumble. That's why flat planes, they can be very loud, but if you listen to them, they don't sound so hot. They're kind of yeah. like, like a Ferrari. <laughs> You know, just like two motorcycles. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got, uh, Jack, that has the Recaro seats in it, right? Yeah. It's got these really comfortable Recaro seats. Yeah. I find my, all the electronic. My Ford has Recaros. They're great. The electronic interface works effortlessly. The screen has, you know, if you don't have your Apple CarPlay plugged in, it's a little, it looks a little cheap, like blue and white and a little like an old TV screen, which I don't like, but who doesn't have their Apple CarPlay open? The, uh, you know, there are a lot of choices and some of them I like. So there, there are three switches side by side, but one is the exhaust sound. Where yeah. do you want your exhaust? And then right. your drive modes, right? And they're not the same switch. Usually right. your exhaust is tied to your drive mode. Here you can be in track mode, but also have the quiet exhaust. I talked years ago. I think it was, it was Dave Parasek was the head of Ford Performance. Right. I asked him about that. He's like... The GT350R is the loudest car we've ever made. Right. And we thought it'd be nice to let people be in sport mode but not go deaf. Well, so that, that's bit, the idea. It, but it, may, it gives you too many choices. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no, you, I agree. I agree. You know, yeah. all sorts of, I, I'd rather just be, I find that I'm always driving in quiet, normal, or track and loudest, right? The only thing I'd say about you is, remember, most people have one car. Right. You know what I mean? So this this gives them the ability to do a lot of different things with that one car. Yeah, Whereas, but I do that, but I am dailying this right now. I'm no, driving this car everywhere I go. So Sure, sure, but you can just see if, if you only have one car, you want a Swiss Army knife, right? Like, yeah. This is my car, so I need, I'd like to, you know, I want to drive around the neighborhood, but I don't want to get the neighbors angry, so right. turn off the exhaust, but I want handling or whatever, you know. So This has the back seats and the belt, so I've enjoyed throwing everybody around it. Nice. I don't think my wife would set foot in it. Um, she wouldn't get in it? I don't think so. No, I don't think it's her thing. I mean, the uh, the the Range Rover uh, Velar SV autobiography was too extreme for her. So, oh really? Yeah, but okay. the boys love it. Yeah, sure. And it makes a lot of noise. I'm not a big fan of the grabber green, the grabber lime. It's been very provocative. It's kind of washed neighborhood. out. It's a little, you know what I mean? Look, it's, it's, 
it looks amazing. It's just what it's doing to the old people in, oh, yeah. in my town. <laughs> the when they look at me, sure. what they're the people screaming. Right. No matter what street I'm on, I'm speeding, even though I'm sure. not. Sure. They're yelling at me, slow down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was oh, at I'm a, used to that. Yeah, yeah. I was at a stop line, and a woman turned to me. And she goes, "Slow down," and I go, "How can I go slower?" <laughs> I'm stopped. That- that so years ago I had a I had a like a Kermit Green uh 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 Lamborghini uh Huracan. Yes. Sorry to say uh uh-uh, uh so many times. And uh, I had been filming all day, I was on Angeles Crest or Angeles Forest Highway, just going crazy, 135 miles an hour. And then I'm just trying to get home after a long day of filming, right? I'm just so tired. And I'm literally making a right onto my street, and to make a right hand turn, you cross a bike lane. So I used to live in Eagle Rock on the Eagle Rock neighborhood Facebook group. This motherfucker posts this thing. There goes the neighborhood. Look at this like house flipper. Oh, there and he his, is. And we were renting. Uh, and, and, his, <laughs> and his like idiotic sports car driving in the bike lane. Ah. And I like I basically got kicked out of the group that night because I was like a You dildo. didn't defend yourself? Oh, I defended myself. I was like Oh, they removed you from the group. Oh well, I think it was like mutual. I was just like this is this it, it really No, it's Karen's to and everyone, Kevin. All these groups are populated by Karen's and Kevin's. I'm just gonna say to everyone listening, the Eagle Rock neighborhood Facebook group is the worst group in of the course. world. No, it's worse than the clan. Fuck these people. Wait, Anyhow, wow. yeah, worse I, than the I, clan. I, I they're racist. Them. They're anti-vaxxers. No, they're just everything wrong. That's no, it. no, they're not racist. This is the same thing. But yeah. this, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, people yeah. have heard me talk about it here on on the podcast. My next door, my Brentwood Facebook page is exactly the same way. They're the they are right, the yeah, most. You're, pro- you're probably right. Conspiracy-minded yeah. right-wing <laughs> nut jobs because most rational people aren't spending their days on these things. Right, so I, I got removed because I just, I was like, I, and I remember I was so tired. I'm just trying to get home, you know? Yes. And I just made a right-hand turn on my street, on and my street. And they summed street. you up as who you are and what you're about, all you know? based on your car. But that is a real issue. It is. it is. And then with this, with the Mustang, that really happens. Now, I think if you just changed it to one of the better blues they have. Yeah. Like I love Ford blues. You know, then I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a flat no, but, gray stripe or a silver with a black stripe would be amazing. But it is funny, car. though, because I forget, like, you know, I'm in this tax bracket and I, I drove here in a, <clears> in a G63. So it's a hundred right, right. eighty thousand dollar Matt Olive G63. Yeah. And I, I got out of the car today and this like old man was just like mad dogging me at the gas station, just like oh, staring yeah, yeah. at me. And I couldn't figure it out that I'm like, oh, he thinks my car is obnoxious, which it totally is. <clears> but it's, right. it's not my car. Yeah. You know. Well, the Mustang has been, uh, I've had so many fans for it. You know, everybody's always asked, would you buy it? Yeah, I'd buy it in a second. I already have a friend of mine who was uh, at the Cars and Coffee on Sunday. He was like, let me sit in it. He bought one. He, he, I took him for a drive. I have another friend who drove it. Now he's getting one. I could totally see myself in this car. How many miles on it? On this presser? Yeah, on the, the press car. Probably four or 5,000. I, I don't Make know. Make him an sure. offer. You know, I had I had this killer. Uh, Would you ever buy a press car? I've always found that to be the hardest transaction there is in the car business because you're dealing with corporate, you're dealing with PR, and then you're dealing inevitably with the dealership. Depends and- on the press car. I'll give you the one that I was thinking about buying, and I probably won't. But I had a Toyota Land Cruiser Heritage Edition, I saw so that, that beautiful yeah. black one, yeah, yeah, gold wheels. So it's got fourteen thousand miles on it now. Uh, most uh, of us car journalists, uh, you know, they they talk a big game, but they ain't out like off roading these things in any like way that's going to damage it. 
Right. Because that's all you got to worry about the Land Cruiser. Because like reliability wise, it'll be perfect till the end of time. Right. Right. Um, so no, I know it hasn't really been off roaded that hard. And uh, I asked, I'm like, how much? And they, they, their first offer was sixty five grand. So that's twenty five thousand off. Wow. And I was like. Uh, you know, that's uh, I could probably come back at them with a number. That's great. Yeah, Didn't I always wondered it. what happened to press cars. I thought they destroyed them. I thought they put them no, in the, the wood chip. That's the scary part. Like, I, would I buy a GT500 that's been around LA? Like, hell no. Right. I mean, <laughs> no. Matt Farah had this for right. heaven's sakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you had it, or you will have it. I, will I know what you do it. to cars. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I've yeah, seen yeah. it. Oh yeah, I would never. I wouldn't want any of the. The sports cars used. Zuckerman's Audi is now a press car. That's right. <laughs> you have owned it I and did, destroyed it. I feel it. so bad because Jethro was so excited about the thing. He's like, because <clears throat> right. he drove one in, in the UK, and he's like, it blew up. And I'm like, this one's in really good condition. And he's chasing me down the hill. And, you know, I'm talking to him later. He's like, you were going. He's like, you know, he was in a big Lexus. He's like, I could have gone a little faster, but I was, you know, you were really driving it hard. And I'm and then the <laughs> pull the wow. you know the stick out of it basically. Hey, what is <clears throat> the one thing I have not done in this car is drag strip mode. Okay, do you That's know anything about control. it? Yeah, What's yeah, yeah. Well, so, it's, is it launch control? But I also thought there was some sort of tire, you know, spinning heat thing. You know when they when you're doing so a drag race, it's probably got a line lock on it. And all that means is it turns off the rear brake, so it saves the rear brake pads. Uh, so, so you can so spin the tires to heat them up. I believe it has. Now, line lock might be a. It might you won't only be able to activate line lock right, when you're right. in drag race mode. The <clears> other <throat> thing is, drag racing is a whole black art. But basically, uh, you know, do you want to launch at 2200 RPMs or 2300 RPMs? Right. So you use the cruise control switch, I think, to like dial your, yeah. your idle speed up or down <clears throat> uh, or your, your launch speed. So you and then know, it gives you maximum torque when you're changing gears too in that mode. It should do that, but uh, I, I just know like for the launch thing is like you know you're you're if you were to launch this thing like this thing because I'm, I'm making this up. It make let's say it makes peak torque at five thousand RPM. If you were to do that, you'd just sit there. You wouldn't move forward. You just roast the tires. Yes. So on cars this powerful, you know, on a non-prep surface or on street tires, I should say. Not to get too crazy technical, you probably want to launch at like 1900. You want to launch at a really low RPM, believe it or not. Well, there you go. Yeah. There so, so it. yeah, it's fun. You, you, but you got to find out uh, an empty street. So, <laughs> well, there we have those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we but have no, those out in Brentwood. It's to- totally fun. Yeah. yeah Brentwood. <laughs> Except for the old ladies walking. The, Brentwood, the big those. drag racing town, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sunset is. It's like Fontana. Whenever, uh, <laughs> Speaking of the next door people, there there are a couple of nights where uh, clubs get together in the middle of the night. They go racing from Hollywood all the way out to Malibu. Wednesday night is the motorcycle guys. Uh, it's kind of it's fun. Like if I'm ever in my backyard, I hear them, and it can, sure. it's like ten straight minutes of motorcycles. There was one on a Tuesday that it sounded like the Lamborghini Club leaving Malibu and going back to Hollywood. Lots of loud noises, and uh, we were out in the front lawn listening to it. It just went on for so long, and I was like, God, I wish I was down there to see it. But then I went to next door, of course, and sure enough, there was a post. There's some sort of drag race going on. <laughs> the dragsters are yeah. out, and they're... Right. 
that's the end of our neighborhood. All of these comments. What are we going to do? Do they lump you in with that, though, when they see like this? Nobody knows I'm there. No. Okay. No, I think I switched cars out so much. Like now they're on the lookout for the grabber lines. Right. But it's going back at the end of the week. Right. 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 I don't even want to tip them off. But I'm generally a very respectful driver. And with especially in the neighborhoods, when people are walking, I get that. I, I go by much slower what I'm guilty of is driving cars that when they're going 10 miles an hour, they have loud exhaust just that make them sound loud. Yeah. different, right? So, and, yeah, and, and look, then and I get mad when I'm like, look, don't react to the sound. It's going slowly. Look at the slowness. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's, it's like it's like when you're it's like when you're on a canyon road and you could yeah. be a hundred yards away, but you see someone on a bicycle and they flip out. Yes. They just start middle fingering, and doing the hand thing at you. you no, know, you just run those guys over. But the, the other no thing I just want to say real quick is. You are getting into this later in life than a lot of people that get press cars get into it. True. So you're more mature. You have children. Because I remember one of my... It was like right when I first started, there was this like one cool street where I used to live in Mount Washington that there was no houses on it. So, and it, yes. was, it was next door, basically, so I could whip around. I, don't know, I was in a Mustang convertible. I'll never forget, like whipping this corner accidentally drifting because i was totally out of control and there's like two moms and two baby carriages yes and i'm just like (gasps) and i missed them you know but i was like never do this near humans yes yeah don't do just go in the mountains like hit a bear it's cool don't don't hit a baby no you're just one incident away from tmz on any given day i mean the car world isn't my only business i'm in entertainment (laughs) so i feel like you're one i've got to be careful all the time I, I'm, I actually, I'm quite a few moves away from TMZ. I have but, no, uh, I have nothing to prove. Right, 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 either. right. Either right. I, I just enjoy the machines, and I, you know, try to set well, a that, good example. That's I'm looking actually, over Jack, and he's seen me in some of my lower moments. Sure, he saw me scream at someone the other day. Oh, was I, that, I, I was do that a lot my of screaming. Jack? It wasn't my fault, right? The guy was kind of out of his mind. He was reacting to a car we were driving. What was it? It was that 1M. It was that BMW 1M. Talk about a car that provokes people. The 1M? That old one? The from BMW like, like 1M from the... Uh, what year was that? 2005? 2011. 2011. Yeah. Zuckerman's got some super hyped up crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. car that... Really? Made, people care? They did, yeah. Like I got, they cared I got in a lot, good way? Not... Well, yeah, a lot of fans, a lot okay. of younger folks were fans, like the, like the guys at Whole Foods were digging it. Okay, but then on yeah. the road... I was that BMW guy, and I got a lot oh, of uh, yeah. I got a lot of uh, flip offs, and I got tailgaters, and I got people. What are you doing? And I had I can't remember I can't remember if I told you the story or not. I had a, a Lamborghini SVJ, so yes, you know, I'm driven, it was, it was love it, super green, six hundred thousand dollar, and yeah. this fucking <laughs> guy. Uh, like I was getting off the freeway to go to my house, and this guy cuts around two lanes of traffic, and kind of like blocks the car next to me at a red light, and is just staring at me. And I'm like, what the hell? And he's in a brand new seven series, like, like, well, maybe not brand new, but like, you know, two years old tops. And he's staring at me and I, I was driving really slow. I start going. He gets next to me. He gets in front of me. He gets behind me. But whenever he gets in front of me, he'll slow down to like 15 miles an hour. So I'll like change lanes. He'll, he'll get back in front of me. And this is going on for 10 minutes. I'm just making random lefts and he's just following me around the neighborhood. So I call my wife. I'm like, listen, I'm driving to the police station right now. <laughs> I don't know my license plate number, like, but yes. like, like, if you look on Instagram, you'll see the plate number. Call nine one one and yes. tell them this car's coming and he's being harassed by this maniac. Here's the here's the plate number. Here's, a, 
And then finally, the guy just like took off. It was it was the they, weirdest thing. They generally will react because I've had people follow me home. If you just take your phone out and either start filming them or just call your security, and they, they'll turn around. Yeah, I don't they, have they, security, but this is, <laughs> it's important to have security. You yeah, I guess so with that car. But it was just, it was, I just, I've had people like wave and smile. Yeah, he just stared at me like, like and I, angry. And, and lately, people are on edge. You know, we're yeah. in the middle, I yeah, think, yeah, of yeah, the yeah, mental yeah. health part of our pandemic here, and I, you know, there's just a lot of anger on the road. So we all have to kind of take that into consideration to be safe. You know, Johnny, uh, we're out of time. We are. We've got half the show done. We are. I gotta um, go. Thank you for doing this. It was great. Um. I miss right. Paul. What's that? I miss Paul. Maybe we should do some like disgusting. Uh, Paul's always around. Maxi pad commentary. Uh. <laughs> He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll All be right. fine. Cool, He's, cool. Uh, you know, getting over the virus in the hospital. He only got it in his ass, though, which is weird, and he hasn't really explained that to all of us. But ah, apparently, know. he's fine from the ass up, but from the waist down, he's got COVID nineteen. Specifically, just in the butt. So that's whatever that means. Quite odd. Yeah, that's his I words, I, okay. not mine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Sonari Glinton is going to be with us. He's the host of a very cool podcast called "Bring Back Bronco: The Untold Story," an eight-part podcast series that debuts. Uh, it's it's there now. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And apparently, amazing Bronco stories. Uh, uh, O.J. Simpson, the whole story of the Bronco. Um, I just can't believe Ford would let that come out. They, it's like, theirs. That's crazy. That's I know. crazy. It's the only reason I let them on. Well, two reasons. <laughs> One, that it's a no holds bar conversation about the Bronco and everything about Bronco. And two, I'm trying to get a Bronco allocation. So. <laughs> yeah, you'll get a Bronco, but I'm, but and like, I like Scenario. He's a great guy. I'm, I'm, don't I look know. Forward. I'm just saying. When I think of Ford, I think of holds barred i think of right i think of like you know they, they put a they put a piece of lead in the boxing glove I, correct know, like, so well there you go we're going to yeah. take a quick break you're going to hit a little vroom noise and then we're going to be uh sitting with sonari glinton bronco really touched a moment in american history where people didn't know they wanted it, but once they saw it, they were like, ooh, that's what I need. The rise, fall, and rebirth of the Ford Bronco is a metaphor for the last 50 years in America. It was born into a world of tie-dye shirts and peace signs. You know, the emergence of the Bronco really lines up with a whole new era of America. You've got the baby boomer generation coming into their own, got the women's liberation movement, you've got the civil rights movement. All of these things are sort of happening in the 1960s. It came of age in the 1970s. It was revered for being unapologetically big and boisterous. And it survived a horrific midlife crisis in the 90s. We're seeing live pictures right now. The football hero believed to be a passenger in that Ford Bronco. And then suddenly, it disappeared all right that was the trailer for bring back bronco and i'm here with sonari glinton sonari how are you the host of the podcast i'm very good how are you i'm well you're in west hollywood today not far from uh where i am it's, it's hot there <laughs> are you getting uh, some relief today well you know what i i have not i, I uh last night i Locked up all my, closed all my doors, closed all my closets, and turned the, <laughs> the two very small AC units on. 
um, for the first time this summer. And uh, <laughs> I, have not, I have not felt the heat. Yeah, it's been nasty. Well, the, the, uh, the podcast is fantastic. Um, we're talking about the entire history of the Ford Bronco from its inception, its beginning in the, in the 60s, right? Right all the way through to today with this new Bronco coming out and everything in between. How does this project find you? Well, um, I, I was a car guy um, who was a journalist. And I, and I don't know if there were necessarily uh, that many of us, especially in radio, right? right. Who had uh, the journalism podcasting. So there was, somebody was like, oh, what about scenario? Instead of teaching a car person how to do radio, or right. teaching a radio person about cars, they were like, well, why don't we go to this schmuck um, <laughs> who seems to have... Uh, you know, got a, a little bit of an edge on the radio journalism in the auto industry. So um, Travis Wright, who was a colleague in um, at WDT, mentioned me. And he, I, apparently one of the talks was, what if we got a Sonari Glinton type? <laughs> and there and you are. they're like, well, what, 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 you want to ask Sonari Glinton? And it, strangely, this is the one, one or three cars. There are about three cars that I would... Uh, do a podcast about and this is definitely one of them now you have you know when you're talking about radio you're 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 an npr correspondent and that's the radio part but you also have a personal connection to ford don't you yeah well i should say i was an npr correspondent i contribute now and i have i'm a third generation car person so my grandfather came to detroit with his brother to work for uh chevy axle my mother uh went to work in management at ford motor company I have an uncle who worked for uh, GM Axle as well, three generations working for General Motors. Uh, my mother worked for Ford and several cousins, and now I have a cousin. My closest cousin works for Chrysler. Um, so we have, uh, we are one of those black families that are multi-generational in the car industry. And it's actually, that connection is not that unusual for African-Americans, especially who are in the middle class. You know, the, the auto industry was the was the bridge to the middle class for millions and millions of African-Americans. Do you still get the Ford discount I hear about? <laughs> That's handed um, down. It's, is that still? Because yeah. I hear that stays in families. It, it stays in Well, my mother is a Ford retiree, so she gets what they call the Z plan, I think. Wow. Um, what is that? So it's, it's some percentage off. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think that it's I forget she needs to get a she needs to get a Shelby GT500. I just drove that. <laughs> Tell her with her Z plan because I have a Z on the podcast. The plan Z. You should plan Z a Z plan with her and get a GT500. <laughs> it's an exceptional automobile. Well, you know that's what's funny. It's like this is the first time doing this podcast is the first time that I could get be assured that my mom and all her friends would definitely listen. Yeah, no, that's great. All right, well, let's talk Bronco. So the, uh, you know, did you know about the entire history of Bronco? Can you uh, give us the top lines, like from episode one, the American dream, the beginning of this whole Bronco line? Well, you know, if you think about it, the Bronco comes about in the, because Ford sees a need in the 50s, because people are riding around in their Jeeps, which are awful. Right. And then uh, International Harvester comes out with a scout, which is 
sort of a precursor to the Bronco. They kind of look alike to me. Um, and Ford is looking around and like, well, there are all these GIs who are wanting vehicles to do other things. They want to drive their Jeep on the highway. That was not really a thing with the, with the Jeep, uh, uh, you know, immediately post-war. So they did this study and they wanted to call, uh, call it a goat, go over all terrain was, uh, was what they called it. Like that's where, where it began. And the Bronco comes out, one of, the great, one of the great surprises for me was that the first rendering, the Bronco, you know, bucking was driven by, I mean, was not driven, sorry, written, I'm, or sorry, drawn by uh, McKinley Thompson, the first African-American designer in essentially all of Detroit. And he's probably one of the most important ones. He's a guy that helps with the pony class cars, does a lot of design on uh, the uh, Mustang. And at the time, this was, there was going to be a pony class of cars with the Mustang being the fast car and the Jeep being the rugged four by four. And um, to me, that was like that. And when it gets launched, is that a key part in the history and how it kind of never really gets traction because of the oil embargo and all those things. Then the eighties comes around and it, you know, you get the, Finally, they give a, you another Bronco, which if you remember, this is where, where the OJ Bronco kind of looks like the right. second generation one. Mm-hmm. The Bronco 2, which is the, the auto industry's, you know, desperate attempt to uh, undo all the work that a brand had done. <laughs> and then you get uh, the OJ uh, slow speed chase in the 90s. And on the same day, essentially, that the that the big train station that brought my grandfather to Detroit closes down is the same day that the line stops with the Bronco. So the Bronco is tied very closely, in my opinion, to sort of the history of the Detroit auto industry. And now because it's a Bronco, it's the, it's now because SUVs are so important, I think it points towards the future. You know, it's interesting, you know, for this is a corporate podcast. So when I first heard about it and they reached out and said, we want you to put the host of the corporate podcast on, I said, well, why am I going to do that? <laughs> I'm not I'm not interested in your cor- corporate advertising. And they go, no, no, no. This is a real podcast. And you touched on it. We're, it nothing is going to be hidden. This is going to be Sonari telling us the real story of the Bronco, OJ Simpson and all. And in episode three, Going Downhill, I see O.J. Simpson's uh, Bronco on the highway. Now, you know, I haven't listened to that episode yet. And obviously, we want everybody to check this podcast out because it's awesome. And we're excited about the the Bronco. But tell us what we're going to hear in episode three about Going Downhill. You know, and and let me ask another question on top of this. Was it O.J.'s Bronco or was it A.J. Cowling's Bronco? Whose Bronco was it? Okay, so to be clear... OJ's Bronco, OJ and AC Callings, his friend, yes, AC Callings, his his friend who had been a a former teammate of his, had an identical white Bronco. So they both had one. They both had one. If we remember, there were, if you remember the trial, 
I don't know how you can forget. I, but, but, um, <laughs> well, I remember for a couple of reasons. <laughs> I see, by the way, I see AC in Malibu where we have coffee. He's out there hanging out all the time. We say hello. Oh, wow. Nice, seems nice enough guy. Um, <clears throat> so I have that part AC of it. And, and so he had an identical Bronco. And also, here's another weird sidebar. An episode of Seinfeld that I wrote called The Soup Nazi was recorded on the night the OJ trial verdict came in which I felt would be like the least funny night to produce comedy, even though the audience was quite receptive. So I guess, you know, so I have a, and then I remember watching this chase um, from New York. It was a Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, because we had just finished uh, a, a show at Letterman and we would go to this bar and the TV turned on and suddenly the show, we were watching a Yankees game. And then here's this, Bronco with O.J. Simpson in it, fleeing this first uh, videotaped or live uh, car chase. We'd never seen anything like this. And front and center, this white truck. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I was, well, I was inside of a Ford plant, (laughs) a college student. Yeah. No joke, working on, I think I must have been uh, uh, on the chassis line. And I will never forget gathering in the Oasis inside of Ford, in a blue yeah. Ford, with, you know, the whole thing, watching uh, the, the slow speed chase. And I remember thinking, somebody going, I wonder what this is going to mean for our stock. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's the, uh, I, so, in television, I was going, I wonder what this is going to mean for entertainment. Because I've never seen, I've never been grabbed by something like this before. And now it's every other day there's somebody in a chase on a highway and we barely pay attention to it. Um, You know, I'll also say I live in Brentwood, part of L.A., and every time I tell someone, you know, from my hometown or mention that, that O.J. is the first name that comes up. Oh, you you live there, you know, and and it was so, you know, so long ago. So I feel like I'm surrounded by this story. Let's go back to the episode, though. So there are two Broncos. The one we're Mm -hmm. seeing on the highway is whose Bronco? It is AC Cowling's Bronco. And I just want to say that episode is not out yet. So we are, I am, so I'm really excited that we have, (laughs) right now we're at the, we have the top car podcast. Um, You're number two. Oh, good. Number three behind the dead guys that are car, that one of the dead guys on car talk. Oh, car talk, Um, right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But, um, and that's not, that's without OJ. The OJ episode is very, very interesting because there's a lot of, things that people think they remember right about the chase like that it was oj's bronco it wasn't it was ac's bronco um it was really intense and in the story we find out here's a here's a a, a tip uh the new ceo of ford uh phil farley is it, his name can't be phil oh my god i can't I, uh, <laughs> i'll look it up yeah, i know Go a guy ahead. i know a, i know a guy named phil farley i've known the uh his, he's chris farley's cousin Jim Hackett? <laughs> no. 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 Jim Farley. Sorry. Jim Farley. That's who it is. Okay. Jim Farley. There it is. Uh, right. Yes. He's the, he's the new CEO of Ford, and yep. he was visiting his cousin, Chris Farley, in Los Angeles when he has to pull over to the side of the road, and then the OJ chase comes wow. by. <clears throat> and you're like, how many coinky dinks yeah. could happen? And, you know, you would never think this dude would never have thought that he would one day be the CEO 
I in know. charge of wow. bringing back, or the CMO, the, the guy in charge <laughs> of bringing back the Broncos. It is so weird to, like, you have to understand this company, like you said, this was new. Well, there was no precedent for this. And, and how is this connected to your vehicle? And what do you do? Do, right, you, right. do, you, like, do you run into the room and, and close all the doors? And then one of my, fav- my absolute favorite, absolute favorite, because coincidences are the bestie bestest. You know, you live in Southern California. People like white cars. Right. right? And we like white cars here in Southern California. They do better in Southern in California than, than, yes. uh, than, than everywhere else, than mm-hmm. most places in the country. And so a bright, Ford executive thought, here's a way to promote the Bronco. See how popular they were, by the way, that OJ and his homeboy had identical ones, right? <laughs> so Ford is like, before this all happens, we before this happens, an executive goes, let's order up some white Broncos and do a SoCal uh, promotion, which ironically ends up falling days after the chase, You're so kidding. it ends up, so the cars get delivered days after the chase. And so people are like, hey, will you try for this? And then interestingly, sales of those cars go up immediately after. Really? To me, there, yeah. To me, there is, there's so much interesting, right? OJ is the, OJ is at the vortex of so many he is. interesting things about America, about Los Angeles, about race, about all of these things. And if you're going to talk about, in my mind, what I realize is you can't talk about Southern California in the last 50 years without mentioning OJ, whether it's USC or whether <laughs> it's him in this, this, this chase in this trial, right? It is one of, it's so, it's so LA. Um, and it, that ties into the story, like I said, of, you know, you've got a, you got a brother who drew it and you got a brother who creates the biggest crisis in the history of the vehicle, right? Wow. And, and you've got tens of thousands of brothers, you know, working on it, you know, from 65 to 90 to 95, right? And it's an amazing, I mean, that to me is, you know, that was what drew me to this and that's what I feel like keeps people going because right. if I can watch it when I watch uh, documentaries or listen about the Barbie doll and I'm going to tell you they didn't spend a billion dollars making the Barbie doll right <laughs> like so when you spend a billion dollars easy to launch a new vehicle which is what's happening with this easy a billion dollars on this right yeah that means there's a lot going to happen, right? There's a lot of pieces <laughs> right, right. at play. I actually wanted to, I think, by the way, can I bring up something random? Sure. I have a photo that I want to send you. I wonder if you were one of these people. So I, uh, one, I did not realize that you wrote the Soup Nazi. I, <laughs> I do, I am, um, I'm a big fan of about four seasons of Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> I like one in particular. <laughs> yeah, I, as you said. Yes. But I was driving my car. Uh, I bought a new, uh, brand new Mazda Miata. Okay. And I love to drive my, I, I would love to drive this thing. It's brand new. It was the, and like I bought it days after it came about. 
NPR at the time, we had lost our first colleague and um, uh, David Gilkey. And he had told me the last conversation he said to me was, boy, you better buy that car. Like, this is not, a, this is not the midlife crisis. You buying that car is the sign that the crisis is over, right? Uh-huh. So I heated him. I bought that car and I drove it to Malibu. And I'm in Malibu and I see like a line of Porsches. Now, usually I take pictures of Porsches and I'm looking through the viewfinder and I'm ch- taking a photo and I see, like, is that Gary Seinfeld in the viewfinder, like looking over at his homeboys, looking over this group of, uh, Wait, oh, that they was had just me. gotten. That was me. <laughs> oh, that was I'm, you? I'm with him in Malibu with cars. <laughs> yes. Right? And so I took this photo. And then I will never, for, I was like, this is like one of those moments of approval because I always think of myself as not being really a car guy. And I go and get in my car and I'm not going to say anything to Jerry Seinfeld. And so I'm like driving away and Seinfeld, wait, I can hear him I'm like go, oh, is that the new Miata? And it's like, nice car. And then I was like, did I just get approval for my car purchase? I did. I did. You I did. did. And I love, I, it was like one, and I have that photo of him leaning over, it's probably you, I can uh, I want to see, I, yeah, I want to know what the cars are, because that, that sounds like me and Jerry, we've been going there for 20 years, and that sounds like exactly every interaction we have out there, and we are fans of the Mia. <laughs> yeah, I love, I mean, that's a, do you not, you know, do you still have the, do you still have the picture? Yeah, I definitely still have the picture, yeah. Oh, it's, right. it's well, it was like, see. it was so crazy, because I hadn't even noticed that it was Steinfeld until because i was right. so into like that like that is like a 14 million dollar Porsche. what is that there are three of them oh now, <laughs> I, now I have to know well that's all we do well up until the quarantine started in the pandemic we he comes out to santa monica and he's hanging out in his hangar we drive out to malibu drive cars talk about entertainment talk about comedy and talk about cars and then drive back it's the only real hobby we have is that drive <laughs> and hanging out at Bill's and drinking coffee. So, and by the way, that's a beautiful thing. We have, I a love, big, I love we have a, a cars and coffee that goes on there Sunday mornings from eight to 10 AM. So you should check it out. It's very much a kind of a potluck pop-up thing. Um, and there's some great stuff. Bruce Myers out there and, uh, you know, rare, just rare cars come out of nowhere. We had a, a crew of Miatas out there the other day. A bunch of Volkswagen things came last Sunday. It's fun. It, and uh, you never know what you're going to see. So you should just check that out anyways. I want to go back to this OJ thing. Right. So, you know, I remember watching it. And here's a question. Like, I remember just going, boy, a white Bronco. I haven't seen a white Bronco before. Do you think if the Bronco wasn't white, it would have been such a bad thing for the Bronco? Like if it were a, a, a like a blue Bronco or for me, it was the big white truck that I, I wasn't used to seeing big white trucks. I thought it was an odd spec for a Ford Bronco and it made it stand out. Do you think- I don't think it. The color had anything to do with it. I, strangely, the color is kind of popular and had been. So think of, and we, we'd seen it, but we hadn't thought of seeing it, right? But I didn't, but I didn't live in California. I lived in New York at the time, and I remember wow. going, that is a weird-looking truck. And it just, it just gave the, you know, obviously the incident is grabbing the world's attention, but it gave it this little push in my mind because I had never seen a truck in that spec, or maybe I had and just never noticed it, and here was this historical event happening, and now that became the symbol of it. I, I don't know. 
I mean, you don't, I mean, that's one of those things where what we forget is that the sales of the Bronco were not gangbusters at the time. Okay. Though there, though it was not, interestingly, it was like a mid, it was a middle-class truck. Right. You know, John Elway has one. And that, that was like a huge thing, right? You know, when, you know, Elway gets one, OJ gets one, like, and it was sort of a, not an aspirational vehicle, right? It was like having a, 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 a suburban at the time. It's not as popular, not nearly, nearly as popular. And we had seen that spec before because they had used it as the Pope Mobile. Right. They had used it in a lot of things. But if you weren't SoCal, right? Yeah. You wouldn't have, no, like, you wouldn't have been like, oh. And so white Broncos weren't necessarily a thing in, well, you know, let's it, say, Ann Arbor. Perhaps. Right? But they were in Southern California. Perhaps it was just this idea I had of what a Hollywood star would be driving. Maybe I was looking at that going, that doesn't make sense to me. Why does this movie star have this old rancher truck? Maybe that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that you, call, I love that you called um, O.J. Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> movie star. He I love is. that. I love that. I love that. The, love naked, that. the naked gun. He's in the naked gun. <laughs> He's in some of my I favorite love... movies. He was, when, you know, back at 30 Rock when I was an intern. And even when I was writing on Letterman, I remember my friend calling me up going, hey, do you want to go hang with OJ in Barcelona for the Olympics? Uh, I, she was going out to work on it. I had like a week off. I like, I don't think I really, I mean, I, it's so stupid. I thought, well, I only have seven days. That's not enough time to get to Barcelona and hang out. But geez, imagine what that party would have been like. But OJ was like one of our NBC talents and then went on to be this giant movie star. Again, though, it was just the truck was a disconnect from these two, this football star and, you know, OJ Simpson. And, and maybe that's what, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're thinking somebody like OJ should have, you know, like if you're going to be driving, I mean, well, one, we didn't have, think about that. They, a lot has changed since then, right? There were no luxury SUVs. That wasn't even a thing. Right, right. Right? So, like, it was, he, he was the tip of the spear. Um, you know, there were these, like, there were these uh, football players who were much more, by the way, working class in a way, right. or not as wealthy in the 80s and 90s. You know, like, OJ comes from a time when salaries hadn't exploded and things like that. So that's a important part even though he was the biggest of those people right and it kind of like i think that that the car at the time the reason it kind of sales took off and that's like a, a hidden thing is that oh you weren't the first person who were like oh that's unusual because a lot of people looked at it and were like that's unusual i'll buy one so sales <laughs> so sales of the bronco went up they go up. after especially the white ones after the slow speed chase so because so let, let me just stop you there okay so but how does the promotion which is two days after the incident or two weeks after there's a big promotion for the white trucks too is that viewed as a success for ford well it gets them into a lot of heat because people think because <laughs> like i hear what you're saying like, right People are thinking like, what, are you trying to, are you trying to like do this on purpose? And I, and I want to say to people like the, I, these car executives have a lot of experience dealing with global situations, right? I swear how to deal with Orenthal James Simpson and his connection to the Bronco is one of those things that they kind of, 
don't like they because you don't they really don't want to promote those two things you can yeah. tell. i mean like no no one wants those two connections right but it's there right and you you almost can't avoid it and i even in the launch of this podcast have you seen in the news you know somebody you know put the launch date of the car randomly on around oj's birthday and they're like uh but yeah i saw that i saw that and they had to change it it, right it was yeah if we change the the date of the podcast we have to change the the (laughs) order of the things because you don't want to because they're thinking about you know customers and things like that and we really don't know how people are going to respond in this day and age and that day and age to something that might be connected with OJ. And now this, what's interesting about it, like I said, is that, you know, right now there's a much larger story for why Ford would be bringing back this vehicle. Right. And it's way more important to them now than it's ever been. So so when you, let me, let me, let me ask you, does OJ Simpson kill the Bronco or not? Is this, this, this sales boost short lived and then the brand is damaged or is the brand damaged after that for other reasons? Um, I would say that in the, no, I don't think, I think we come to the conclusion that no, OJ wasn't the reason. It was plain old corporate stupidity and a bunch of other things. It did play a role. I don't think it was, but it wasn't the nail in the coffin. It was probably, you know, at the same time, and this may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Ford was putting out SUVs that had names like the Explorer and the Expedition and eventually the Escape. And uh, some, apparently Bronco doesn't begin with an E. So what are we going to do with that? Right. Silly, silliness. And also, you know, one of the problems with a company like Ford and the quality of these cars is, you know, you spend a billion dollars to put a car out, to design it, to make it great and all those things. And then you don't, but there's a leaf blower outside. Uh, um, and then you, you know, you don't realize, you know, like, will they have the desire to stay up with it? five years in, seven years in, 10 years in, you know? And so, you know, the executives got caught with another shiny object, right? And that is really what I think is, like, essentially, the Bronco helps create the class of vehicle. The Bronco, the Blazer, they create a whole new class, and Ford goes, eh, let's, like, let's move over to to something else, because there is a lot of competing priorities in the Mm mid-90s. There are eight episodes in the podcast and, you know, by the time we get to episode four, it's the end of the road. So you cover the beginning of the Bronco and uh, in episode one, right through to the end of Bronco. And then the next four are all about, I think, all about the new Bronco. So four full episodes. How do you fill those four episodes with uh, content? Is there that much stuff there? Oh, well, so when I say (laughs) the poor schmucks at the top, Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a group of people who thought that the Broncos should be brought back. And there was probably a 20, so this is more than a 25 year skunk works of wow. these efforts 
by, by these engineers. And what I think is interesting about that, engineers, marketing guys, product guys, all these people, mainly guys, uh, all these folks in Ford who are like, you know, we had this thing that was really distinctive, right? Um, let's try to bring it back. And then you also see uh, sales. No, no, here is my analysis is, if a Ford executive saw another $300,000 Bronco go on sale, they're gonna jump out of a window, right? Is they, they see this market of, you know, you and, you and Jerry Seinfeld go up to Malibu and you guys like Porsches and those things, right? Women are flooding into the antique car world and they want pickup trucks and SUVs and they were spending top dollar. That's why, you know, you see all these factors coming along, SUVs becoming the top, a vehicle category by a lot, a lot. And then these, you know, women flooding into the antique car market and they are younger, right? And they want something completely different than the 50 year old who's buying his dream car that was on his wall when he was 16. And they're looking for pickup trucks and SUVs, which, you know, your grandfather didn't park his F-150 under a tarp and hope to get money from it one day. No, right. you drove it into the ground. Same thing with the SUV. So Ford sees this huge market and it has to dif differentiate itself. And it realizes, oh, we have these great brands that we kind of, you know, turfed out on that we kind of like just were stupid about, right? And like the Bronco, the Ranger, these are vehicles that actually have ties to, to buyers. And like you said, if you drive around Brentwood or you're going to see a Bronco, right? You're going to yeah, see yeah. some youngest, youngest person in an antique Bronco and that, or even crazier that there are people who could, you can just buy a new body that's based on the old one. Like that was the thing that I know that folks were thinking. So you have all of these factors. You have a, a, a core group of guys in a company fighting uphill to get this thing out. To me, to me, that's interesting, is how do you convince, it's the people in the middle trying to convince the idiots up top about something that they know mm -hmm. for sure, and they spent a quarter of a century trying to do it. That, to me, is story enough. <laughs> it is like, and and, and it, you see it now, I mean, I think what we do is we go back to the Bronco Underground and where it gets started. We show you why the vehicle fails. And I take you through the, you know, I get to go into the studio. You get my first impressions of the car in clay. Wow. Right? I get to, you know, That's something cool. no, no one ever does. I also got to see the Mustang uh, EV, which like is a car that is really, really, it's the only Ford car that struck me like it did yeah the bronco is you know these two vehicles are the, the car industry is way more competitive and you have to differentiate yourself you can't just build a fusion and expect it to compete against the camera you got to do something different you have to be distinctive and in many ways ford has to go back to its heritage that doesn't mean creating the same car but what is the heritage of this brand? What made it successful in the first place? And I would say many people who love the brand, whether it's the F-150 or the Mustang or any of these vehicles that came along, 
will say that, you know, Ford at many various times since the 70s has lost its way when it really did design some of the most innovative vehicles that really, you know, thought years ahead of consumer needs. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is, honestly, the history lesson is fascinating to me, but how you fight the man, how you create your skunk work and convince folks about this idea. And honestly, it's landing in a decent time because what is, because the Jeep has no, at the moment, it's non-parial. It is nothing, there's nothing like the Jeep, really. If you want to be, you know, four by four and have fun, you know, am I going to take my Buick Encore off-roading? No, (laughs) right? You know, if I'm going to take my Audi Q7 off-road, no. But that's what SUV is. And Ford and the other folks are like, well, you know, Honda tried this. What about the folks who really genuinely want to go off-roading? And right now, during the pandemic, that's a thing that we're noticing. The people are actually now getting away, going off road, right? For like, for real. It's, and so it's there's a, perfect a real. Launch. It's a per, it is it is serendipity because when you do something for the right reason, mm-hmm. which is, are you gonna attack the needs of the customer? I think it will hit. And um, I mean, whether or not Ford does the thing where it shows a commitment to this vehicle over the product life of it. That's another story, you know, but right now being a a company like this has to be attuned to the real desires, the desires that are three and five years ahead. Right. And I don't think that Ford was doing that um, in any real way um, for a long time. It was just making uh, as many F-150s as it could. Have you driven it? (laughs) <laughs> nope. you've seen it up close have you sit you, seen you, you, you sat in it have you done you have no no driving no nope. there's ex- an event Go on ahead. the day that we're talking on the day that we're talking there's an event where some of my friends are going to get to drive it i think for the first time and i will eventually uh prop before the before the last episode of the podcast i am sure that i will have driven it and are you going to add your thoughts to the last episode of the podcast? <laughs> no, because what do I know about cars? I mean, what, what do I you know seem, about? You seem to know an awful lot. <laughs> I know about the business of. I know you know what it is. What what fascinates me about the auto industry is the business of it, right? And uh, like the machinations that go behind it. Um, me, if given my my brothers, I would probably buy the latest Porsche. The podcast is called Bring Back Bronco, the untold story, the episode you want to hear for sure, the one we were talking about the most, the O.J. Simpson episode where we cover that story, August 24th, which is uh, next Monday. You got to check it out. Uh, Sonari, thank you uh, for coming on and telling us all about this, this uh, and congratulations on the success of it. I know you were nervous about it, and you have to uh, come visit us out in Malibu one of these Sundays so we can meet in person. Uh- I, I will, and I have to say, it has been, it is a genuine pleasure. Uh, I, as you, what you may not know is that I was a, I was an insomniac kid in the 80s, and I grew up, you know, I grew up watching Johnny Carson, I like him enough, yeah. but uh, David Letterman, yeah. oh my God, 
He's so uh, anybody that had anything to do with that <laughs> show, and uh, I can't, it is a part of who I am and a part of my humor. So it is, I, honestly, um, and who cares about comedy writers? Usually I do, and I'm very, <laughs> I, I have to say that well, thank is. Thank you, thank you. I'm amazed by it, and uh, thank you for your, your great work and for this great podcast. Awesome, man. Well, there you go. That's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, don't forget to uh, subscribe. Uh, don't forget to leave a nice review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's nice to see those. And if you want to follow me, get in touch with me. Uh, reach out on Instagram. Follow me there. DM me. I tend to respond to everybody who does. Johnny, what do you got to say? What uh, do you, want you know, nothing. Uh, I hope that <laughs> I hope we have a good vaccine soon. And go to motortrend.com. <laughs> motortrend.com and follow, and follow me on Instagram. Yeah, follow him on Instagram. You'll see a lot of the cars we talked about today and also just great car content. We will see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.